0: What's up, and welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sanderson, alongside Pelicans.com writer Jim Ikenhoffer. Happy news to report from last night's win as the Pelicans defeat the Denver Nuggets 122 to 107. Our guest for today's show is Tass Mellis from NBA TV, or formerly NBA TV, but he does do have a new show called Handles, which Hanning Fry. We'll talk to him about that, and also about his No Dunks podcast with his crew from the Starters. Kind of an evergreen conversation about what's going on in the NBA right now, including his thoughts on the New Orleans Pelicans. But Jim, while we have you here, let's talk about last night's win over the Denver Nuggets. And it just feels so good to finally get that one in the win column.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can talk a lot about um, they played well in this game. They had some good efforts. They played the Raptors tight. They played the Mavs relatively tight. They went down to the last shot or so against the Rockets, but... The bottom line is when, as we know, when you look in the newspaper or on Pelicans.com and you look at the records, they were 0-4. So, the more losses you get, the more of a nagging feeling it is that you still don't have a win, regardless of how how well you might have played for portions of some of the previous games. So, definitely a big change in in uh, the way the way everyone's feeling, and hopefully something that they can carry over into this road trip they have coming up.
0: And two things that have been a, a cause for concern for the Pelicans really did improve tonight. First, the free throw disparity actually belonged to the Pelicans tonight as they doubled the Denver Nuggets thirty-two to sixteen in attempts. And then we talk about the fouling defense, playing defense without fouling. One, you hold the Denver Nuggets team to one hundred and seven points, but with that being said, you only allowed them to take sixteen free throws.
1: Yeah, not to get too deep into the league rankings this, especially this early right. in the season, but they were one of the worst teams in the league. In free throw attempts that they took, they were also one of the bottom five or six, I think, in how much they were allowing to the other side. So that was a big turnaround, and hopefully, you know, again, something that they can carry over. Jao Cafour got to the line 13 times. I think you said on the post game that that was his career high, or yes, tied it was. his career high. Um, and Brandon Ingram, who's been doing a great job of getting to the line, had 11 of those. So just those two guys, I think, did a great job. And The defense was so much better than it had been in the previous games, which was a big reason why the Nuggets weren't able to get to the line very much with just the 16 attempts that you mentioned.
0: And speaking of defense, you know, nice to have Drew Holiday back on the floor missed the last two games with a knee injury. His defense, that presence was felt tonight as Jamal Murray shot one of eight when Drew was the primary defender on him.
1: He was very disruptive. I thought Drew set a good tone, as he almost always does defensively, where he was very – getting his hands on deflections, and also offensively he came out and was shooting threes and was just really aggressive. Uh, it seemed like the f- the first quarter, even though the Pelicans were, it was only 32-30 at the end of the first quarter, it did seem like at the very beginning of the game that you could tell that the effort and the energy was much higher than what it was Monday against Golden State. A couple guys that shine tonight uh, that we mentioned on the post game show as well, and
0: you just mentioned him, Jalil Okafor, it was a tying 10 free throws tonight, career, tie a career high of 10 free throws. He has a new career high in attempts with 13. And then Frank Jackson, 21 points of so those two. The Duke products combined for 47 points tonight. I thought both those guys were kind of the catalyst for the for the Pelicans' win.
1: Yeah, both by far had their best games of the season so far. I know it's only five games in, but still it was, for both of those guys, just very no, notable the way that they played. Um, the Duke uh, guys, this is something I mentioned in my um, post-game rap last night. The the four Duke players who played were 25 for 37 from the field, so I thought that was a pretty pretty good stat. And the one Duke player, as we know, who's not playing right now, was through the roof with his shooting and his field goal percentages during preseason. So definitely a good sign that the the other four guys that played all did really well, and they were you know shot over, made basically made two thirds of their shot attempts, which is great. Didn't you call out Will Guillory for that on Twitter? I did, but you know what? A different Will, Will McLaren from PR, egged me on and told me you should you should tag Will Guillory in this tweet. I didn't want to do it, wow. but, but you came I, to the peer pressure. I did. I succumbed to him to him, you know, just telling me you need to do this and you better do this. And if you don't, I'm, there he'll throw re- you in a locker. Or right, something? there'll be repercussions <laughs> later. So, uh, and then I just saw Will Guillory after the game, and he told me he was disappointed in me. So I guess you can't make everyone happy.
0: It's like when you hear from your dad, and you're not mad, but you're disappointed. <laughs> it was like, kind of
1: like that, and you know, as a Syracuse guy, I told Will, "There's no friends in the ACC." So I will throw daggers at Duke and North Carolina, especially when someone tells me that I should I should do that. So. Can
0: you throw daggers at Appalachian State, who Alvin Gentry's team lost to Georgia Southern last night? Why not? Why I mean, not? Alvin was clearly furious about that after the game when he found out the news.
1: I I don't. I probably should stay out of the. I don't even know what conference that is. Sunbelt, baby. Okay, I should I should stay out of that because I have enough issues in the ACC of my own, but why not? I'll I'll say say negative things about App State. What okay. the heck?
0: For the second straight year, the Georgia Southern Eagles end their reign as a top 25 team. So I, was, I mm. thought it was just, you know, as a guy that went to Georgia Southern, I don't know, It's just <laughs> seemed pretty impressive to me.
1: Well, good for you. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're very happy for me. Before we go to Tasmellis. Mellis, Anything else that I missed that kind of stuck out to you from uh, last night's win over the Nuggets?
1: Um, I think the I think one of the th- we we covered so much in this and as well as last night on the post game show on the radio, but um, I think one thing that we really didn't probably talk about was the three point shooting differential right. and the the Nuggets were seven for twenty six from. 3 point range the pelicans were like exactly middle of the pack in the league going into the game thursday so that was really encouraging i don't know how much of that was just the nuggets weren't were missing but it did seem like there were fewer wide-open looks that the Pelicans gave up compared to the previous few games.
0: All right, as promised, joining me now is Tass Mellis. Of course, you remember him from the starters on NBA TV, but now he has a new venture, a couple of new things to be exact. He's a part of the Athletic and the No Dunks podcast, and he also debuted a, a new show on Wednesday night called Handles. He does that with Channing Fry. Um, you can watch it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, building up to NBA TV's 30-minute show, which recaps – the top highlights and storylines tass how are you? you're a busy man these days now
2: hey daniel i thought you were gonna say you remember him from the black and blue podcast we did a, a couple years back
0: yes you are a friend of the program as we like to call it absolutely back in the the smoothie king center studios i remember that uh very well and i'm sure a lot of people remember that as well but uh you are keeping busy uh with some of your new ventures how are those going so far
2: they're going fantastic thanks for asking yeah it's uh a week into the season here um uh, and, you know, usually start a new venture. Things might be uh, a little tough to navigate, but um, got right back into the saddle with uh, The Athletic and uh, our No Dunks podcast. We've, yeah, kind of veered back uh, to where we started in 2006, which is a, a, a daily podcast, and uh, having a lot of fun with the same guys that were on uh, The Starters. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was sort of balancing podcast versus TV, some segment, but keeping it still free and easy and uh, having a blast doing that uh, Monday through Friday and handles is uh, a lot of fun. Um, We just got our first one in the books this week uh, with with Channing Frye, who is uh, who is absolutely great, Uh, a retired player, just retired and, and knows so many players in the league and played against them. So has has some great insight into them, can also take a joke. So we have a lot of fun on set. And, um, and, and, and is really loving the, the social aspect as well, where we're kind of just, you know, we are just watching games together, sort of like, you know, we do with the no Dunks guys and, uh, and then take it to television. So it's not, not too buttoned down. It's a little bit more free and easy. So yeah, having a, having a blast.
0: Uh, with the no dunks podcast, you talk about your being with your old crew. does it kind of feel like you know you've been a, a basketball team for such time that it doesn't really seem like a new venture for you guys just because you have been doing it so long?
2: No, it does feel like a new venture it's uh, you know sometimes the shelf life for teams get uh, a little bit stale and the window closes. Uh, I, uh, I like the fact that we're doing something different for us that's how we started when we we did the first four years of our show way back when and we were independent uh we we added something different we were audio only and then we did we did a studio show and then a a video show and and so uh, it keeps things fresh for us um you know we have to look at each other's faces every single day of our lives and uh i'm already married i don't need to be married uh, to these guys um (laughs) as well and it's uh it's nice to to just alter it um and, and uh keep our marriage fresh daniel you know it is it it, it is it's fun it's it, it's totally different uh, you know being um it, it was great in uh, at turner studios doing our tv shows definitely a challenge there and, and this is a, a different challenge and it feels a little bit more um kind of have a, a startup type feel uh where we're, we're building our brand in a different way and uh it is getting back on the bike and, just, and doing it again but uh but it, but it's but it's different and, and it's fresh and it's fun and I think the uh, our audience can can hear it in our voices.
0: How much has social media and podcasting? If someone does a podcast three times a week, um, obviously that's changed the dynamic of you know social media and also just the league in general. The NBA you see a lot of guys on doing these player podcasts. Josh Hart for us does um, the lighthearted podcast. Um how has that changed um how fans can ha- just have more access to hearing players and gives them a different platform to kind of express how they feel.
2: Well, it brings yeah, the p- player's personality directly to the consumer or the uh, the audience. Uh it, it it and there's just so much content out there now. Um a- as we know, I mean, I think I think if we're just Producers, and I'm sure Josh Hart is 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 one of those, you know, in a a way, just understand what people want um, a heck of a lot more. And we all have sort of access to this uh, to production capabilities, and it's uh, it's giving people what they want, really. So it's, I think, you know, the the choices that we all have in terms of consuming media, and I'm definitely one of them. I mean, I, you know, it is like. Netflix and Amazon Prime and 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 all those And now in the sports podcasting world there's just so much to consume and quite often too much to consume and uh it's it's a lot more enjoyable I mean I guess it's just simple as that there's there's like a guy like Josh Hart um who is a very personable and 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 uh an open type of person uh there the people are taking advantage of that they understand that they can go directly to uh to the consumer and it's you know working with Channing Fry. I think is uh is is just like that for Handles on NBA TV he's this personality that um you know he's playing basketball and just talked to the media for a long time but now he's got this opportunity in these platforms where he's working with NBA TV and Turner not just on Handles but on other shows and uh he gets to show his stuff so Uh, now you see another side of Channing Frye, you see another side of Josh Hart, um, which with the, the media options five years ago, even, uh, with, you know, podcasts were around five years ago, but they just weren't as prevalent. Like now that they have this prevalence that you can, you can just get out there and be right in people's ears, you know, in within an hour of talking, we recorded uh, a show today. We record a show every day and, uh, it goes up real quick. And, um, yeah, now you have tons and tons of options.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk some basketball now, and we're almost about two weeks into the the NBA season um, as far as um, basketball being played. Um, we've seen a lot of highs, and we've seen a lot of lows from some teams. Unfortunately, the Pelicans aren't off to a hot start, but I kind of want to just kind of pick your brain a little bit about what you've seen in the first couple of weeks. Has there been anything that stuck out to you, whether it's a certain player, whether it's a team, whether it's how the game is being played? I mean, we saw on Wednesday night the Rockets and the Wizards uh, put up 317 total points. Has there been anything that's kind of stuck out to you so far?
2: Well, um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of points being put up the board on the board. I think the Rockets are are really interesting in, in the West uh, because they, they range from a team that can win it all um, when they want to buckle down or a team that will give up 158 points as they they gave up on Wednesday night. Uh, They seem to care when they want to care. And, um, you know, I guess that's a sort of a good and a bad thing because championship teams can kind of turn it on a little bit, uh, but um, they tend to care more about uh, nationally televised games and, weekend games because they're rolling out this is true they're rolling out a red carpet in their arena to walk into the arena but only for weekend games and nationally televised games and so a game a wednesday night game in washington dc they don't roll out the red carpet it's not as big a deal and i think it it is sort of um a symbol of the fact that they don't want to they don't care enough to play defense on a a wednesday night in washington dc so it's that uh, and I mentioned though, the um, the championship window when we were talking uh, non-basketball earlier, talking about the the, the basketball drones turn the starters turn no dunks. Uh, it's interesting with the, the Rockets. I think they've got a bit of a new life with Russell Westbrook in there. Um, but it, it, there has been a lot of points. There have been a lot of points put up on the board in general. And hearing, you know, people at the NBA TV studios in turn of broadcasting that. A lot of the players are concerned with the fact that defense, on the defensive end, players don't have a chance to compete in terms of the rules. Like they just can't put their hands on, on an offensive player. They can't slow anyone down. Uh, the, the freedom of movement rules, which were implemented last year, which allow for uh, offensive players to kind of roam as they please and, and not have that, that tug of the jersey. That, that that physicality on the defensive end that was there even a couple of years ago and obviously a heck of a lot more in the in the early 2000s and the 90s uh, so th- I think that is something that's sticking out in my head there's just there's a lot of, uh, of movement out there with on the players and by the by the offensive um, on the offensive side of the ball and that sounds like a good thing when I say it out loud um, but uh, I don't know it, it's something that's that may go a little too far in that one direction where defenders don't have the ability uh, to really get in the way um, of the, of the offensive player and maybe the offensive player just has too many advantages. And, uh, and so that's something I think the, uh, the front offices or or the league office, I should say, is keeping somewhat of an eye on, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You mentioned, you mentioned the Rockets, and I went on a rant about That's the Rockets. But there's there, there's so much to talk about in this league right now. It's just, yeah, from from Embiid to Carl Anthony Towns, there's just uh, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, and uh, the league, you know, is uh, despite obviously Zion's injury, which uh, which you know hurt. It, it it sure felt like every it took the air out of the balloon for not only for Pelicans fans but the entire basketball world. Yeah. Uh, things have been I think there's, there's been plenty of, uh, of storylines thus far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you, you still touched on the Rockets because it was going to bring me to my next question. And it's kind of been a, a topic being brought up now and also, of course, in the offseason with free agency as far as the difference now with every team trying to get a big three to now teams are going more for a duo, as you would say, and the Rockets being one of those with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Do you feel like that's going to bring maybe a little bit more parity this year? I know a lot of people are saying how wide open it is on both sides, especially in how deep the Western Conference is. But do you feel like it's been good for basketball, knowing that it's kind of been more of a duo base now where these teams trying to land superstars instead of two or three teams trying to get three or four guys like the Warriors for instance or even going back to Miami when LeBron was there?
2: Yeah, I think uh, people, are, or it seems like teams are trying for duos to come join them. The reason that it happens is because they can't get a big three or a big four. It's just, it's just harder. <laughs> and, and so yeah, the Warriors locked out. I, I use the word locked out, uh, but or the term locked out. But they also did draft you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green. They drafted that 15 championship team, and I think we always have to remember that. Uh, but it's just hard to get a, a Bosch weight and LeBron to come together or whatever happened in Boston. And it's, it's, it doesn't happen very often. Um, and that's why this duo thing is happening. And the parody aspect, yes, I, I'm, it's, it's real. Uh, and I think it, it goes back to what happened with the Raptors winning the championship last year. It, um you know, they knocked off the Warriors and, and, maybe in a way ended that dynasty. Um, but also it shows that a team that can come out of absolutely nowhere can win this thing. And um, yeah, it feels like we're entering a bit of a different era here where the Warriors were the, the team of the, the back half of the, the teens decade. And as we enter the, uh, the 2020s here, um, it's could be a, you know, a five-year window of parody. Um, but I say five years, but who the heck knows because the superstars are only really signing two years contracts. They're, sh- they're flexing their muscles and Kawhi and Paul George only have two years guaranteed on their deals. And uh, yeah, things could be, uh, could be fluctuating and, and July could be the biggest part of the NBA season, you know, tenfold because of, of free agency and how it may play out year to year.
0: A couple more things for you. And I know I'm going all over the map here, but I should have, I should have started this interview with asking you about the Toronto Raptors because I know you and your your No Dunks crew was, I'm sure, very ecstatic for how things played out in June. Have you even gotten over the fact, or has it, when did it really sink in that the Raptors were world champions for you guys? Uh,
2: yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think in, when it, come, it comes to, definitely not June, uh, yeah. but in July and August, when not only our players bring in Larry O'Brien to their hometowns, but... Everybody, when they start analyzing the upcoming season, refer to the Raptors as the defending champions, and that just doesn't compute really with a a person who grew up in Toronto and uh, and watched a, a a Raptors team that uh, was just free falling for a lot of the <laughs> the the first part of the you know this century and and back into uh, the, the late 1990s. Uh, so th- I think that's when it hit home, when when you realize that that actually happened. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it's a, a bunch of fans who, who really grew with the game. You know, there's been a lot of videos and even a throwback night uh, this week where the Raptors threw it back to the old purple Barney dinosaur right. in 1995. It's been a lot of growth since that era where uh, things were, you know, kind of rickety back in Toronto. and. Um, yes, uh, the the No Dunk crew started our show in Toronto, so uh, very happy for for that fan base. And hey, you know that's might be the only championship I ever see as far as the Raptors go, and I, and I hope it happens in New Orleans and and for every other organization that they can just feel what uh, what a lot of the Raptors fans felt.
0: We certainly hope so. And as as someone that was there for you know Ring Night and them unveiling the banner, you know that city it was the atmosphere was incredible inside and out. And the fan base was awesome. So it was really cool just to see that um, from our perspective, you know. And, of course, like you mentioned, New Orleans would want to eventually win one in the future. And I know right now they're not off to a good start, Tass. And, you know, they've had some nationally televised games. So I'm hoping maybe you've been able to watch them a little bit. And um, I know the first three games just came up short at the end and the Golden State game really wasn't much of one from their standpoint. But what have been your thoughts on the Pelicans as they've only played – Four games is as, as we're taping this. It'll be five with the with the Denver Nuggets. What are your thoughts on them?
2: I've watched uh, a lot of their their basketball, although the yeah the Warriors game was a little difficult to watch. Uh, I'm my first initial thought is wow, they're well coached. Alvin Gentry has already implemented this this system where they push it and look for the best shot available and and fire off pretty quickly. The how fast they're playing right out of the get-go means that they had an incredible preseason together and, you know, losing one of their most talented players, losing their most seasoned and an all-star in Drew Holiday already, uh, I I think they've handled it very, very well. And, yeah, they almost knocked off the champs. And uh, I've, you know, I've been impressed with the confidence levels of of the former Lakers and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Um, Brandon Ingram, as soon as he gets another score around him, you know, to take a little bit of the pressure off him because teams are starting to focus on him, especially with drew out and Zion out, uh, I'm really looking forward to what he can do, you know, one-on-one, uh, with some space that's created by another, another player. So, uh, a great sign, you know, what, you know, the, the ceiling for this team, I think, uh, was lifted a little bit just by the play of Brandon Ingram, as, thus far. And, uh, it's only, it's obviously just a week, um, but um, you know some players need a, a change of scenery to break out, and uh, this new start for him could be great because there's there's you know quite a range I think of expectations for him, and uh, you know this league is about stars, and there is a, a possibility he becomes a, a full fledged all star in this league, and uh, looking good so far, and and up and down the roster, you know I focus on him, but up and down the roster, it's um, it's been it's been great to watch, you know, going, going deep on the bench with Ken Rich Williams. There's, there's just, there's been guys producing and uh, um, it's, it's a testament to the coaching staff that they bounce back from the Zion Williamson injury and, uh, and the Derek favors out and, and then Drew obviously. So yeah, it's a bad start, but, and there aren't moral victories in the NBA, but I, I, I really was very impressed other than that golden State game.
0: That's Tass Millis of The Athletic and the No Dunks podcast and also on NBA TV for Handles. And, of course, you know, I would encourage everyone to listen to No Dunks podcast. It's gotten me through a lot of workouts in the last couple of weeks. Um, And, of course, you can also watch Tass on The Bounce. But, again, uh, the debut of Handles on Wednesday nights – via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, building up to NBA TV's 30-minute show with Channing Fry. Tass, I really appreciate it. I know I went all around with you as far as questions, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and we'll talk to you down the line.
2: Well, do, Daniel. Keep the workouts going. That means we get a, a few listens a week from you. Thanks very much.
0: Good stuff there from Tass Mellis. As, uh, again, you can listen to the No Dunks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are played. And Of course, you can watch Handles every Wednesday with channing fry all right so the pelicans are back on the road they'll take on the oklahoma city thunder on saturday 4 p.m central you can watch it on fox sports new orleans or listen on espn 100.3 new orleans and then monday against the brooklyn nets i believe it's a 6:30 p.m central tip 7:30 eastern time zone and again you can watch it on both fox sports new orleans and listen on ESPN 100.3 New Orleans. Again, this podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live events can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites in shady pricing with SeatGeek. You can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, all caps, at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets big thanks to jim eikenhofer and tass mellis for coming on monday's show most likely we'll be the podcast of daniel and daniels from brooklyn new york as we'll preview the matchup between the pelicans and the nets until then i'm daniel salarson have a great weekend and go pelicans